in the, in the past few weeks, we've had some wonderful messages coming across this pulpit, and it had a very common thread. We've heard about storing up treasure in heaven, not just to have our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but more than that, more than that, to really serve the King and to love the brethren. And we have heard from Pastor Felix about allowing the final words of Jesus to be our first works. And that takes faith, which only works by love. And that will lead us to a prayer life as we're led by the Spirit of God. And that's the message that we've heard over the past couple of weeks from this pulpit. And I want to continue along those lines tonight and just encourage the body here. And I I really am preaching to the choir because this is the Wednesday night crowd. And this is kind of the core of the church, you know. These are the ones, as Andrew said, will come out on a Wednesday night when you're exhausted. And I do have a bone to pick with that because, you know, I'm so exhausted I had to be here. Because this is where I get strong. I get strong in the presence of the Lord. I get strong knit together with you. Amen. It's difficult. Uh, Our ministry, All for Christ International, it keeps us extremely busy. And I was telling Drake, it's nothing for me to be up until 2 o'clock in the morning and then up at, you know, 5 or 6 on a daily basis. And I, I just, you run, you pour yourself out, pour yourself, pour yourself out, and you need to be poured into. And so I'm so grateful for this body because it's not just pouring in from the pulpit. It's pouring in. I got poured into in the foyer. I got poured into on the back row. I got poured into in this altar. Just as I, as I came to the parking lot and moved forward, I got poured into at the door by Phil and Ren. Amen. I need that. I need you in my life. There is nothing in this world that will help you and I serve the Lord. Nothing except for the body of Christ. For you. For me. We're going to be in Psalms 133 tonight. And we're also going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. And while you're turning, Father, I just ask that you would bless us this evening, O God, by your Spirit. Help us, Father, in our frailty, God, to just continue to walk with you into the deeper things of God. Where our life, individually and collectively, Lord, becomes a testimony that Christ is alive. That he has been raised from the dead and now sits, Lord, at the right hand of the Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. As I said, I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but we had a rope in our backyard Rope swing, it was, you know, two ropes coming down from one of our trees, and it's nice and long, and the kids can really get going on this thing. I mean, it's a little bit scary how far they go, you know? And we had someone from the church come over who was an adult, and they sat on that thing, and they swung once, and they swung twice, and it snapped. And it looked strong. It looked so good. It looked like everything was fine, and yet it had been up there for a while, being bleached by the sun. And it's one of those plastic ropes that just begins to degenerate a little bit. And you don't necessarily see it right away. And as it broke and I was replacing it, Asher and I were looking at it and we were kind of, he's like, how does this thing work? How is it put together? And as we kind of tore it apart, I noticed that it was all these little strands about two inches long that were all intertwined together. And that's what caused the strength of the rope. But it broke where some of the outer strands begin to 
degenerate and fall apart and become untwisted from the rest of the strands. And it compromised the integrity of the whole entire rope until it broke. And I just praise God that the one that was on the swing didn't hurt themselves. But I think this is just an incredible picture for me because I'm going to talk about the unity of the faith tonight and the unity of the body. And I would say that most of us, as Pastor Felix said, understand that we each have a part of the body of Christ that nobody else has. To each one of us has been given a measure of faith. And so you have something that I don't have. And I need you in my life. And I know that I'm very, very busy. A lot of you don't even know what we do in our ministry. We're not real vocal about it. I, I, I'm, I've been challenged by the Lord to be more vocal in this church. But over the last three years coming here new, I wanted to be careful about that. I didn't want to come in beating my drum and say how important all of us, you know, my wife and I are and all of that. We wanted to serve and we wanted to be knitted together with you. But I need you in my life, and I'd appreciate you guys praying. Jeff and I, and also a brother from Missouri, are going to be leaving Friday to go up to Wisconsin to teach AFC University for a week. And we just would cover your prayers and all of that. I know there's going to be announcements while we're gone, but you're just extremely important to me. Very much so. And I would hope that you would be extremely important to one another. Because Christ, by the Spirit of God, has given each one of us something in this body, specifically FNT. And that's who I'm talking tonight. I know that this is being live streamed, but I'm talking to us. To uses, as some would say. No one else has a part of the body of Christ that you have here. And that's the beauty of being a part of who God has called us to be. I know that some of us are not sure what our position is. I've talked to some of you. And that can be a frustrating thing. And I encourage you, if that's true of you, to seek the Lord, that he might reveal that to you. That you would know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you fit in this body. Because most likely it's not that you would just be a pew warmer. Most likely it's not that you would just give in the offering. Most likely it is that you should be involved. And that you should be bound together with the rest of us in this body so that this would be a strong rope. Amen? And we do that very well here. And so this message, like I said, is preaching to the choir, but it's a reminder because the messages that have been coming across the pulpit, I've noticed, are a call really to the deeper things of the Lord. Let me take you deeper. Let's go one step further. Amen? Let's be more like Christ than we've ever been before. We've been born into this kingdom of God, not just to go to heaven one day, but to be ambassadors for Christ here on the earth. And no one can, can have that role, as I've said, and I'm going to say it a hundred times tonight, that you have. Nobody. And I'm going to say that again and again and again, because I've said that to some of you again and again and again, and you still don't believe it. For whatever reason, it's like... We allow the enemy to just come and say, you're really not that important. And if you're not there, nobody's going to care. And you don't realize that you are compromising the integrity of what the Lord is binding together here at this church. Even the young people that come into this altar and worship 
Little kids. Don't you, you have, some of you do, you've talked about the value of what you see in that, in the prayer meetings. And here they're just little children. And yet the Lord is binding them together with all of us. We understand that no one else can fulfill our role, then that removes jealousy from our hearts. Amen? Praise God. I don't need to look over at Esau and want his blessing. Oh, look at the the birthright is to you, and our Father's going to bless you, and oh, I want what Josh has so badly. But if I understand that nobody can take what I've been called to, and if I would put myself in a position where I'm open to what the Lord has called me to, and not what I want then I'm binding myself together with my brother and my sister. And when that unity is there, God will pour his life out. Not only to us, but through us. To this neighborhood, to this city, to the state, to the nation and beyond. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that the very mission of our church? It is. Amen? Psalms 133, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. If you want that as much as I do, say amen. Amen. Paul desired that as well. And as you read through his letters, you'll see that over and over and over again. The unity of the body. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he told the church in Ephesus that God has given teachers and shepherds and church leadership to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, bound together in unity so that we would attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to love, as Lee has been preaching, to the measure of Christ. And this is seen in Ephesians 4 so very clearly. So the question I ask tonight is, how do we get that unity? Paul tells us that Christ is the maturity here. The measure of the stature of Christ. That's what we're all moving to. We're all being conformed into that image of the Lord. So let's see what Paul talks about This in uh, Philippians chapter 2, if you're there. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 to start with. Philippians 2 verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Don't do anything from selfish ambition. Why? Because it'll compromise the rope. That's why. Don't do anything from selfish ambition or strife or vainglory or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And let each one of you look not only to your own things, but also to the things or the interests of others. Let this mind be in you. Jeff prayed over this, this over me tonight. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not think it was robbery to be equal with God. That's very interesting, that last part in verse 6, because Christ's unity with his Father was seen by his identity with his Father. His identity with the Father. 
Verse 6 actually says that Jesus Christ is God, if you can see that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a three-stranded cord are one. And they are equal, and they have equal identity. And also all Christians are equal in the body of Christ and have an identity. And that identity is what? We are the body of Christ. We are this rope that the Lord has woven together. And if there's going to be true identity and unity in the body, then each individual believer must know and profess, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that all Christians who are walking in the Spirit, and that's the key, are equal. Did you hear me? If you're born again and you're walking in the Spirit, there's no big eyes or little U's. The people standing up here, just as important as anybody else in the whole body. Bound together. Amen? Equal in the sight of God. We might be at different levels of maturity, but as long as we're walking in the light, we're walking in the Spirit, as long as we're functioning at our full capacity by the work of God's grace in our life, by His Spirit, amen? As we teach here, walking in grace, not by our own effort, right? But as the Spirit of God, grace working in us to make us part of that body, then we're all equal before God. Hallelujah! That just gives me such comfort. We may not all be equal in our authority. We may not be equal in our responsibility. But our, we're equal in the things of God and in the family of God as we function in our part of the body. And if you can get a glimpse of that, you'll know that then you're just as important as Billy Graham ever was. You have just as much value as anyone else you can ever think. The Apostle Paul, you're just as much value in the kingdom of God as the Apostle Paul was if you are doing what the Lord has called you to do. If you are being what the Lord has called you to be. And you and I must understand that because we're talking about a unity which will cause God to command his life. And he does not give that away flippantly. He told that rich young ruler, if you'll just give away everything, sell all that you have, give to the poor and come and follow me, you'll have treasure in heaven. There's a cost to this. Treasure in heaven that Pastor Lee's been talking about. These final words that Felix was talking about. There's a cost of that. There's a laying down of my life and my desire and my wants. There's a humility in all of that. When the disciples were in the upper room, the Holy Spirit came. God commanded his life in that place. But it's interesting because they were there together for 10 days seeking the Lord. Ten days they were there. And the Bible says in Acts 2, they were all in one room. They were all in one accord. They'd found their place in the body of Christ. They were bound together. We used to sing that song, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken. When they were in one accord, suddenly that wind began to blow. Suddenly the Lord just commanded his life in that place. And this river of the Spirit of God was just flowing. So many times we like to say that we're waiting on God, but sometimes he's waiting on us. Sometimes he's waiting on us to come in one accord with the body of Christ. Amen. And at that moment, when we're ready, 
then will fall everything that's been coming across this pulpit. Do we want it that? Do we really want to walk in that? Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I wonder, do we really want to be bound together with one another? Or am I too selfish for that? Do I really want to give of my time to go help somebody else in the body? Do I really want to come to a Wednesday night or am I just too tired? Do I really want to preach tonight? As much as we've been running and going and trying to prepare for next week. Do I really want to do those things? Or do I just want a life where everybody else does stuff for me? Everybody just helps me do what God's called me to do. Or maybe I just want to help a little bit on the side, but I don't really want to walk in the fullness of what God has called me to do because I'm afraid that I don't really know what I'm doing. Afraid that I'm not going to have the ability. It's easy. I was sharing with the young people in Sunday school on Sunday, young adults, how it's so easy for me to believe that God will move in Hayden Ship's life. But to believe that he'll move in my life. So difficult at times. Sick in our bodies, whatever the case may be. But God is calling our church to a greater unity, I believe. Because that's, scripturally, it's the only way I can see that life that we've been talking about over the past really years would flow through us. Is if we're bound together in a greater way. Because the church is a, is a gate of ministry. All ministry pours out of, a, out of a, a group of people that God establishes called the church. Everything in heaven that God wants to do to this world, it's not going to fall on anybody else but the born-again believer. And it's going to come to a, a body, a people, because God always spoke to people as a collective whole, as a group, every single time. Even when he talked to Abraham as one man, he called him as a nation. I'm going to make of you a nation. And if we're going to be that gate where the life of God can flow through to this lost and dying world, then we need a, a greater binding of ourselves to one another. The church is the bride of Christ. And when we're functioning in that, there will be signs and wonders there. There will be the presence of God manifested in an incredible way. When Zion travails, the scripture said, sons and daughters are going to be born. That baptistry will be full. Amen. Felix has been challenging on us for years on that now. How's it going to happen, y'all? Let's be bound together in a greater way. They'll know you're Christians by your love for one another. Don't isolate yourself. Don't allow the enemy to tell you that you don't belong in this body. Don't allow him to tell you that you're not valued here. Don't believe the lie of the devil that would seek to cut you off from everybody else, destroy you out there someplace and be hardened by sin by your lack of fellowship and love for others and compromise the integrity of this body because we need you. You're so valuable. 
So much so that the King of Glory died to save your life. But each one of us must come to this understanding and each one of us must come to a place where we can sit down in this body coming into one accord and understanding our proper place in the body of Christ. And we must recognize that every single member is equal in the sight of God and every ministry given by the Lord in this body is equal in the sight of God. If you read Romans 12, you're going to see that not one believer is better than another believer. In Romans 13 and 14, not one believer is greater than another. Three chapters right in a row. Boom, 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 boom. Value. Equality is not measured by our ability or our education. Lee preached the other day that it doesn't belong to the quick. It doesn't belong to the strong. Amen. It's by the grace of God that has called you and placed you in a body. So the unity that we need in this body comes by understanding that all of this works by grace. And it's not all my years of experience in the foreign field. Actually, it's more of all the hell I've been through. (laughs) It's more of the mistakes that I've come to. Nothing teaches you like failure. Amen. And as we just come together in that understanding, as we have the unity of like-mindedness, not because of our talents and our ability, but because of our like-mindedness, we'll begin to function more and more as one. More and more as one. The one new man. The one new man. I used to go to a lot of conferences and I was always shocked that And I understand it. It's just human nature. But there's a certain person that I want to pray for me. And it's the guy on the platform. You never see anybody at a conference run to the janitor. Will you pray for me? But Lee said something up here the other day. And I just marked that. And he said there's going to be a lot of preachers that aren't storing up anything. In heaven. And I wonder how many janitors that serve and do all this stuff that nobody knows about. And they do it out of love, motivated by their care for the body of Christ, knowing I'm bound together here. The Lord has placed me in this body here. That when the crowns are hounded out in heaven, you're going to walk into those gates and you're going to see the, the names of the apostles and those foundation stones and some name you ever even never even knew. So-and-so, the janitor. I want that to be my name. Not because I want all this recognition and glory, but I want to do something that's written in eternity. I want my life to count for the kingdom of God. I want to have a crown of glory to cast at the master's feet. Amen? I'm so glad that so many of us have been delivered from that nonsense and We pray for one another here, and we recognize that even though Pastor Lee has more authority here than others, it doesn't mean that God loves him more than any other one of us here. There's just an order in the body of Christ, that's all. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, and if we are really his sheep, then the Holy Spirit is going to work in us so that we will be faithful to the call of God. The grace of God will not allow you to get away from that part of the body of Christ where he wants you to be. And I think that's why so many of us are so frustrated. Because 
you know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we fight him all the time trying to do something that he's never called us to do. And it's like, why don't you just walk into the ease of his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Why don't you just lay down your own ambition and just do what the Lord has called you to do and what you find to be such an ease at your hand and you're like, this is so easy, any, any trained monkey can do this, you know? And it's like, no, actually nobody else can do that. And you're cheapening what God has placed within you. Don't do that. It's a gift of God. Felix talked about it and edified us in that from tonight from this pulpit. Why do we have such self-loathing? Why are we never satisfied with what God has called us to be? Why is the grass always greener over the septic tank? I'm from the country, so maybe you city folk don't know about that. But If we would just walk, if we would just allow this mind to be in us that was also in Christ Jesus, we would hear his voice, we would obey his voice. Because that's what Christ did as our example. And if we would walk in the light and be transformed into that image, then there's no way that this church would not come into a greater unity in the days ahead. Because it's not dependent upon my ability. It's not dependent upon the ability of Lee Ship. It's not dependent upon the ability of Patrick playing the bass or Christy doing the women's Bible study. Aren't you glad that it's the ability of Christ? It's the power of the Spirit of God working in and through us? Hallelujah. So don't resist him. Don't receive his grace in vain. Don't be rebellious of what he's calling you to do. Because if that's going to be the case, we're never going to come into the unity that God desires us to. And what's been preached from this pulpit will never happen if we're going to resist what the Lord is trying to do through each and every one of us. Because it's not to the strong. It's to the meek. It's to the lowly. It's to those that Look at their brother or their sister and they hold them in a higher regard than their own life. If we would just have the same mind, we would have great unity. So I want to focus on four different things tonight. Four different ways that this unity can be achieved. And the first is just an act of the will. And I'll get to, you know, that's not a legalistic thing. I know it can come across like that, but it's not. Jesus said that he and the Father were one. His identification was with the Father. And our identification is with who? It's with Christ. But it's also with the body. It's also with other believers. Jesus was equal with the Father by nature. We are equal with one another by nature. We're all a new race of people that have been born again into this family. Amen? Christ's identification with the Father made it possible for Him to identify with us because only God could fix us. You understand? Only God understood our situation. And our redemption required that Christ would come and identify with us. That's why He never came as a sheep. He had to identify with man. He had to suffer as we had suffered. He had to be tempted in ways that we were tempted. God never stood up in heaven and just said, I redeem man. No. He sent his son, born of a virgin. He identified himself with man by an act of his own will. And that's why I say it's an act of the will. It's a surrendering. Not my will, thy will be done. 
There's got to come a point in our life, by the grace of God, where we suddenly have a revelation that what I think is so good really isn't. And what the Lord is really leading me to do is the best possible thing that could happen. And we hate that because we have this idea of what we want things to be like, and we're runners. We want to run after that thing. And we think that waiting on God is an absolute waste of time. But when you really understand just waiting, it's, and you're there in the will of God, there's no greater place that you could ever be because you're in the will of God. And isn't that what we want? I hear young people all the time. I just want to be in the will of God. I just want to know what the will of God is for my life. And it's like, well, if God hasn't told you, then you're, the will of God is for you to wait right now. Well, I don't want that to be the will of God for my life right now. I want to go do this, this, and this. Back to Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, or he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. This was an act of Christ's own will. He never had to come. When I think about that sometimes, I'm just amazed that the God of glory left all of that to come down here and to be identified with you and me. I would have never done it. I'm way too selfish. I would have been like, Father, let's just burn the whole thing up and we'll just start a whole new universe. It'll be great. Why do I want to go down in there and suffer? Why do I want to have nails in my hands and feet? Why do I want to be mocked? No, no, no. That's not me. But Jesus took the responsibility for redeeming us. Praise God for Christ. There's nobody else in the entire history of the universe that would have ever done that for anybody else. That's not the nature of man. That's the nature of God. The debt that he paid was not his debt. It was mine. It was my debt. He identified with me, and he identified with you, and as we grow in Christ, we must learn to identify with those in the body that are less spiritually mature than we are, because that's what Christ did, the firstborn of a brand new race of people. He is the essence of maturity, the full stature of Christ. We read it already in Ephesians. He is perfection. He is maturity, and yet... He came down here and had patience with those that were less spiritually mature than he was. Now he calls you and I into that same thing. Not everyone in the body is going to be equal with you in your maturity level. There's always going to be someone who's further down the road than us, and there's always someone who's behind us as well. One man said, I never crossed over a river that I didn't reach back and help somebody else across. Amen. We have to be willing to bear with those that are not as far as we are. I have done this over and over and over in ministry. And I cannot believe the absolute mocking that I've received by doing that. Because, you know, you go to a lot of leadership classes and they will never tell you to do that. And it blows my mind. Blows my mind. One of my one of my dearest friends is from Finland. He's got a lot of physical problems in his body. Loves the Lord with all of his heart. We were on the mission field together with an organization, and he was mocked by the church all the time. He had there's compulsive military service in his country, and so he had a bad back, and so they just cut him open and put a metal bar in his back because he couldn't serve without it, so they did that, and now he walks like a penguin. 
his speech isn't quite right. And I was amazed that people in leadership in the ministry that I was in would just mock him. We became very dear friends. We became roommates. I love him so much. I find that the people that are mocked mostly, those that are overlooked so much by others, are the ones that are the most precious in the body of Christ because they endure things from their brother and sister who's supposed to love them and they're rejected. And they have great identity with Christ in that because he came unto his own and his own didn't receive him and didn't esteem him. And they mocked him and they beat him. Far be it from any of us to walk that way. Because the race is not to the strong. It's not to the talented and it's not to those who look so beautiful. It's those that walk in the spirit of God. Amen. I'm not saying that we should take part or approve of people that are more immature than we are. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm, I'm saying we need to love people. And we need to have a desire in our heart to see them mature, to cross a river and to reach back and help somebody else cross that river. It's so easy to destroy people. You don't need the Spirit of God to do that. But to build people up, that takes the true power of God. And oh, that God would give us this patience for one another. The Christ never had to come. and He never had to identify with you and I. The Bible specifically says that he was created a little lower than the angels. I don't understand everything that that means. I see such great humility in the person of Christ. And I desire to walk in that with all of my heart. I find myself failing constantly. But I have a desire for it. I want to lay my life down. I want to identify with the people of God, no matter where they're at in their maturity level. If you're called to the slum or you're called to the uneducated or you're called to the handicapped people or you're called to the children, wherever God has called you to minister, you have to see that God loves those people. And you have to see that you are not greater than they are. You are of no greater value than any other born-again believer who has ever lived. If you don't understand that, you have to correct some things in an altar. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to be the servant of all. And maybe tonight, some of us need to make some phone calls and get right with people that we've wronged. Jesus is the Son of Man. And that was the title that he used most often about himself. And that's universal. It doesn't speak about a certain group. He wasn't the son of Israel. It doesn't speak about a certain skin color or a certain language that people speak. And if we can't identify as being equal with other brothers and sisters around the world, there's something wrong with us. If you go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic and you look at those poor people and you go, my God, it's horrible. If they only knew there's something wrong in your heart. If you go up to West Monroe with the Lees to minister to those people and they're born again and you see a lot of problems within the church there or wherever else God might send you and you think, oh man, I'm glad that I'm not like these people. 
something wrong with you. Something wrong. You need to correct that. You need to come to a place where your will would be the will of God, which is always to see the redemption of others and the maturity of the born again. So the second way to achieve identification is investing in other people. Before Jesus was born of this world, he, was, he existed. <laughs> and he could see what sin was. He could see the suffering of mankind. He, he was there when God flooded the earth with water. He saw that entire generation perish except for eight souls on a boat. Yet Philippians 2.7 tells us that he made himself of no reputation. No reputation and came here. Listen to this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You don't have to turn, but I'll just read it to you. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. And now you're being conformed into his image. Jesus stood up there in heaven and said, I see their suffering, I see their sickness, I see their sinfulness, but I'm going to go anyway because of my love for these people. And it should be the love of God that constrains us to do what the Lord has called us to do. Not for conceit, not for vain glory, but the love of God constrains us. Jesus emptied himself, he came down here to the earth, he was born into a Extremely poor family. He was tied to a post. He was beaten. And he was beaten for the sickness of Shannon Connor. He was beaten for the sickness of my wife. He was beaten for the sickness of James Van Valkenburg. It wasn't just something that he knew in his head, but in reality, Jesus carried those sicknesses to his cross. He took sin upon himself to Calvary. Paul explains it like this. He says, Jesus actually became sin for you and I. And that means that he carried it completely and knew what it was. It wasn't his own sin. It's fools that tell you that. He didn't have any sin. But he knew what sin was because he carried mine. And he carried yours. And he knew the rejection of his father because of that ever thought about that? He's so identified with you and I that his own father rejected him while he had nails pierced through his hands and feet, beaten to the point of unrecognizable condition with a crown of thorns upon his head, spit upon and mocked by the creation that he had made. And to top it all off, the creator of the heavens and the earth, his father, rejects him and turns his back on him. And yet you and I don't want to be identified with the people down the road. I'm so guilty of this. Jesus emptied himself willingly, gave up the riches of glory so that we who were so poor could become so rich that the Bible actually describes us as the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't think we understand redemption. I don't think we understand the depth of it. This is true prosperity, folks. Yet we run after money. 
We run after titles on this earth. We run after fame. We run after position. But this shows us what real prosperity is. And it also shows us what real poverty is. Because some of us might lose everything we own and we say it's poverty. Or if Bill Gates were to lose everything and become a homeless person on the street, we may say that's poverty. But when Jesus left heaven and came here to this miserable planet, I can tell you that was true poverty. Hanging on a cross for you and I, giving up all the reality of God. He humbled himself so much, the Bible says, that he actually grew in wisdom and knowledge on this planet. That shows you how much he actually emptied himself. We like to think so many times of Jesus, and there's even these ridiculous books about it, you know, that people have written in their, in their deceptiveness, that Jesus as a little boy was doing all these miracles. No, he was not. He was growing in wisdom. He was growing in knowledge and understanding. He had a call upon his life when he was 12 years old. He leaves his father and mother. He's in the temple already beginning to teach. But they come and they say, what are you doing in here? We've been looking for you for three days. And he humbles himself and he goes back. And for another 18 long years, he sits at a carpenter's bench. And humbles himself. And the whole time, it's like you can just imagine it. You know, in my mind, it would have been like everything within him is just like, I should be out saving the world. I should be out doing what I'm called to do. And I've got to sit here and wait at this carpenter's bench. He emptied himself and he learned obedience by the things he suffered. What an example for you and I. Jesus is my absolute hero. It's not Neo bouncing around in the matrix or Thor with his hammer. All that garbage. It's Christ. The one who identified with me. And this is what James 2.1 is talking about when it says, don't be a respecter of persons. You know, don't be someone who shows partiality. When you and I are no longer a respecter of persons, then and only then are we really prepared to live this life of Christ. We can identify with people, the broken, the maimed. The third way identification comes is to be immersed in the needs of others. To bear the suffering of other people. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When I think about how Jesus humbled himself and he immersed himself in the needs of mankind, I, I, I'm amazed that I don't want to do that. And I use the excuse of ministry that I'm not able to. I'm too busy. I'm too busy doing this. I'm too busy doing that. And I've got to ask myself at times, is God calling me to do this? And is God calling me to do that? Because you who are involved in the ministry of this church know very well that you can get so burdened down by ministry that you're not even meeting with the Lord anymore. And that's why it's not about doing, doing, doing. But it's about being, being, being. Sons and daughters of the living God. Intimacy with Christ. Intimacy with the body. Being led by the Spirit of God. It's one thing for us to do this out of running after the ministry. But it's another thing to be led by the Spirit. That whatever you're doing in the body of Christ, you're doing because the Lord has placed you there. Not because it's an open door. Not because you're looking to hide from what God's really calling you to do. 
by doing something that God's calling somebody else to do. I got to get on with this thing. It's very interesting to me that there's, in Exodus chapter 21, there's this description of a bondservant, and it's somebody who has been a slave for six years. And in the seventh year, they're to be set free. And that's how slavery worked in the Bible, by the way. If you've run into people that are like, well, the Bible talks all about slavery and it's for it. Well, they served for six years and the seventh they were free. And it wasn't a beating thing like it was here. But in the seventh year, he's free. He's got a choice and he can stay with the master if he wants to. And if he chose to be that bond servant, the master would take him to the temple. They would erase his name from the registry there. They would put a hole in his ear. And now he would be that family's slave for the rest of his life. And everything that he had would belong to that family, whether it be children, any other possessions. And he would do it because out of love, he loved that family. He loved to serve them. He loved the fellowship of that family. And that's what you and I are called to be. Paul talks all about that, and we don't have time to get into that tonight. But it's the love of Christ that constrains us to serve the Lord. It's not about making heaven by the skin of our teeth or just having our name written in the book. It's more than that. It's where we love so much. Just like Paul who said, I wish myself a curse for my own kinfolk. Or Moses who said, just take my own name out of your book, God. For the good of these other people over here. And I'm not saying we actually do that, but the heart behind it. To so want to be bound to other people, even though they're more spiritually mature than I am. Even though they don't understand. Even though they're frustrating at times and they continue to fall into the same thing over and over and over again. My goal is not just to have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I thank God it is. Hallelujah. But I want so much more than that. I want to help other people get their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen? I want to help other people be discipled in a way where they can then go reach out and reach other people so that their names will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 2 Timothy 2.2 is my favorite verse in the whole entire scriptures at the moment. Whatever's been given to you, go and teach the faithful men that are able to teach others. Driven by love. If we're not driven by love, somewhere down the road, we're going to collapse in a heap. You won't be able to sustain it. You won't be able to carry one another's burdens if you're not driven by love. It's only as we're burdened by this love of Christ that we're able to do that. It's impossible but in our own strength. But as we walk in the Spirit, He gives us the strength to do it because His burden is so easy. It's so light. Because it's a miracle of God. But it works by surrender. Just surrendering to Him. Lord, I'm actually willing to be what You've called me to be. Instead of the position that I've idolized for so very long. last thing I want to look at tonight is relating to other people. Nothing is greater than God. And the fact that Jesus came in the form of a man and he related to us in such a way where he showed us the kind of man that, we're, that we are to be 
that he related to us in such a way that he actually came and he became sin for you and I and carried all of our sin to that cross and was nailed there in our place. How he was touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Oh, God. And this is what Paul really meant, I believe, in 1 Corinthians 9. I'll read it to you for sake of time. But starting at verse 19, 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And under the Jews I became a Jew, and that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are free of the law, as free of the law. Not being free from the law to God, but I'm under the law of Christ. That I might gain them that are not under the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I just became all things to all men that I might, by some means, save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. With you. The unity that God so desires is that we would look to them, to the body. See, look around you in this room. That your heart would be after the person, not just sitting next to you because they might be your kinfolk, but the person across the room. The person that you're next to in the altar. Paul's not saying that when, I, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. No, no. That's a total misquote. If they sin, I'm just going to go and get involved in all this sin. But he's showing us how he identifies with men and how he follows Christ and how we should follow him as he follows Christ. And he's saying all of this when he writes to the people of Corinth who were just a horrible excuse for a church. And yet he calls them saints and he writes in such a way that understands their hopes and fears, that understands their weakness, that understands their circumstances. Why? Why does he treat them like this? Because he was motivated by the love of God. And he wanted those that were more spiritually immature than he was to come up. So he identifies with them that he might minister to them. This is not the way the world works. It's the way the kingdom works. The world doesn't even want to identify with the gender that they're born in. They're so confused about identity, it's it's terrible. God forbid we would have the same attitude in the church where we don't want to be identified with one another. We must be a people that are humble and are willing to identify and to suffer with others in the church. Paul is saying that I know what it is to be where you are. I've suffered the same temptations. I've been there and yet I know what it is to be in Christ and how he's helped me to be what I am by the grace of God. And Paul is showing that he can be among them, yet not be a part of their foolishness. That there's an ability within the believer to live above sin, to live above immaturity. I don't have to stay immature in the old nature. I can actually live in the new. Old things are passed away, he said. Everything's become new. This new nature that the grace of God has given to my life. God desires unity in the church, y'all. We have such a preciousness of that. 
but let's not take it for granted. The sun is hot. It's out there, and it's beaten on the rope all the time. And while there's a little bit of pressure, everything looks good. The kids are having a great time. But the moment things got heavy, it snapped. And Pastor Lee said that God is working for us a weight of glory. A weight of glory. To whom much is given, much is required. Let us bind ourselves one to another. I'm closing. If we're not able to identify with other people in the body, we're going to have some weird concept of secular identity and we're going to form ourselves into little cliques, into little groups. We're not going to hang out with the other people that aren't on the worship team. We're not going to hang out with the other people that aren't in the preaching club. And we're going to segregate ourselves as the world does. And it will never be real. And we'll never have the weight of glory that the Lord has told us time and time again in the three years I've been here and probably previous that he wants to do here. And he's just so burdened my heart with this tonight for our body that we would just be a people that really love one another, that know each other's needs. Paul said, I walk this earth as a man. I'm not God. I overcome sin as a man, but only because of the life of God that's within me and the grace of God that's within me. I'm still tempted like everybody else. I still face the same devil every single day. But because I've been birthed to God, I can overcome. And because I can overcome, you can overcome. And we can be bound together as a cord that cannot be broken. We can identify with one another in trials and difficulties of life because I've been there. And because I stand here amongst you, identifying with you, and have overcome, and I know that you can. I know what it is to walk with a wife who's extremely sick. I can identify with Brian Cannon. I can identify with Paul Merchant. A great way because that's part of the body of Christ that I've been gifted with do you see that some of your difficulties have actually been a gift to you so that you can identify with others in the body that are really struggling and as you become strong in your weakness you can impart that strength to others you cross the river and you can reach back and you can help somebody else cross this is the only thing that helps the immature in the body of Christ become mature. It's not the preaching from the pulpit. It's the love of the body of Christ. And it's the unity of the body of Christ. And people maturing and loving one another help other people in the body to find their place and to bind themselves to this body as the Lord works. So if the only thing the Lord ever asks you to do is bake a cake and give it to your neighbor and you do that with all of your heart as unto the Lord and not as unto men, then you're just as successful as the Apostle Paul because you've done what God has required of you to do and you've taken your place in the body of Christ.
around our nation today, the church of Christ is lying in ruins. She does not appear to be awake. COVID was our greatest opportunity, in my opinion, that we've had in 2000 years. So many have missed it, but it's not over. And maybe in your life, you feel like there's no life, there's no manna, there's no oil of joy or gladness at all. Could I suggest to you tonight, because maybe you don't have the unity that you need to have in this body, that you've been hurt and you don't want to love, that you don't want to expose yourself, you don't really want to be bound together. Would you give us another chance? Would you would you allow the Lord to heal your heart? To recognize the wounds of a friend, even though they're so difficult. They can actually God can turn them around to be used as a great asset in your life in the days to come. And broken people, rejected people are gonna come through those doors. And they're going to be dipped in this baptistry. They're going to come up as new creatures. And they're going to need people that understand their frailty and their weakness and their immaturity. But that will walk with them. And that will desire to be bound with them. Even though they don't look like us. Even though they don't smell like us. They don't talk like us. But because we've been through difficult times... We saw the Red Sea open in their life, or in our life, and we know it can open in theirs. Would you stand with me? Would you love one another tonight? Would you love God in this altar? Would you make yourself vulnerable to one another again? Would you come to a place where, with all of your heart, you'd say, Lord, I really want to be bound in this body. I don't want to be clickish. I want to know those whom I labor with, God. I I want to take my part in this body. I don't want my brother's position. I don't want my sister's position. God, I just want to be led by you. I want to be what you've called me to be because I know that the scripture says that we are in unity. You are going to command your life. The blessing, the blessing of God mature believer would you help those that are immature even now would you come and get around these that are at the altar and pray for them maybe not even touch them maybe just stand behind them just ask that the Lord would help you to help them it may be that they're much stronger than you are you have no idea what's going on in their life let's love this Christ tonight Let's love one another and let's be bound together in this place.